What's up and happy Saturday to you all. I am super excited because my online store has yet again gone live with a new collection of mental health apparel to help normalize mental health in our communities. You can go ahead and visit my store where you can find tanks, tees, crewnecks, and hoodies. I am selling a couple mugs as well. Visit us at www.bonfire.com forward slash store forward slash finding her forward slash. That was a mouthful. I'll go ahead and add that into the show notes. And also 10% of proceeds from the collections will be donated to NAMI. Thank you. And let's start the show. Welcome back, friends, to episode 68. This is Julia Busby with Finding Her. Today, I am so excited. We're going to be talking more about anxiety. And my friends, our topic today we're going to be discussing with a guest is the brain and gut connection. So I cannot do this episode alone. So I invited an amazing gut anxiety nutritionist that I found on Instagram and her name is Kelly Kincaid. She's going to teach us and share some golden nuggets of information to let us know some more awareness about gut and brain health. Welcome Kelly to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Me too. I am ready to learn. So tell tell us a little bit about you. Yeah. Well, I, like you, you nailed it. I'm a gut brain nutritionist. I focus on gut and anxiety and the connection there. Um, Mm -hmm. I take a very holistic approach. So definitely addressing everything in the body, but also mindset and energetics as well. Cause those all play a role in, in your whole health, but specifically in your gut health and your anxiety. And this is a very interesting topic. There's a lot of new research on this. And Mm -hmm. I think we're just finding how much more interrelated they are. And you can really address it from either side from looking in the, um, the, the mindset department or the biochemical department. So it's just really fascinating to, yeah, to really dive in and see this from multiple perspectives. Right. And then also to bring awareness and to learn more about it, because I'm pretty sure there's a lot of listeners like myself that have a lot of stress and anxiety that we deal with on a regular basis. And then really thinking about how it affects your body, especially that stress Mm -hmm. uh, running through your veins (laughs) and everywhere. So I wanted to teach everybody and then also introduce you to the community because I have really enjoyed your content online. So when we talk about stress and anxiety, mm-hmm. two different things, mm-hmm. we also, one, you can have both at the same time. You can have one without the other. One can trigger their friends, their besties. Mm-hmm. But regarding brain and, and the gut connection, can you open us up on that topic? Yeah. So again, lots of new research in this department, um, but the, the gut brain connection. So I'm sure you've all heard that the gut is called the second brain and it's called the second brain for a reason, because most of your nervous system, your enteric nervous system in your gut is directly connected to your brain via the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve is the longest running nerve in the body. And it's this information highway between the gut and the brain. And it's so instantaneous. That's why they call it, you know, your gut instinct, because your gut knows immediately what's happening um, (gasps) than your brain does. Oh, I like that. 
right? It's yes. fascinating um, in that department, the gut instinct, like listen to your gut, um, your, your gut really, really knows. And then it sends information up to your brain. So the vagus nerve, this information highway between the gut and the brain, this is really that we talk about the mind body connection. This mm-hmm. vagus nerve is the tangible mind body connection. That is how they are connected. So how you can really affect your body through your mind is the, through the vagus nerve. Um, and most of the information in the vagus nerve is actually coming from the body to the brain, from the gut to the brain. So whatever is happening in the gut, it's informing your brain as to the reality as to what is happening in your body. And that can trigger, you know, obviously like stress and anxiety and depression and all sorts of things that we can get into. But, Mm -hmm. uh, this, the vagus nerve connection is in our modern society is, oftentimes very dysfunctional. And that's one of the big things that I do working with clients and that, that have gut brain gut issues and anxiety issues is really work on this, the vagus nerve and, um, strengthening the connection between the mind and body. And then with issues associated with your gut, so symptoms would be a range of issues like bloating, um, unable to process certain foods, allergies. Is that what you're meaning? Yep. Yep. Um, like IB, IBS sort of symptoms, bloating, constipation, change in bowel habits, abdominal pain, um, SIBO, small intestinal bacteria overgrowth. Uh, these are all things that people come to me for. Um, a lot of times you, we, we have, you can have outright gut issues where you've been diagnosed with IBS or with SIBO. You could also have gut issues and not know that you have gut issues. If you're experiencing brain fog, acne, joint pain, uh, eczema, autoimmune issues, these are all connected to your, to your gut. So in, in so many levels, there is gut issues happening, whether you identify as having digestive symptoms or not. Um, these gut issues are, um, really range across the board of, of different symptoms you could be experiencing. Okay. And then they travel up the vagus nerve mm-hmm. freeway mm-hmm. <laughs> and yep. then where you get your, um, imbalance in your brain functioning. Yes. Yes. Part of that. So, um, it, it's really a, a chicken and egg situation between, um, gut issues and anxiety or imbalance in neurotransmitters or mood or stress. Mm-hmm. So you could have, because a big part of what you're experiencing in anxiety is inflammation in the brain. They also call depression, um, inflammation of the brain. So, a lot of times what happens is if you're having inflammation in your body, especially in your gut, those inflammatory cytokines travel in your body and can actually pass the blood brain barrier. This is usually a barrier that keeps things out of the brain so that it can function at a high capacity, but there's something we know about leaky gut, but there's also leaky brain where um, the barrier has become permeable and these inflammatory cytokines can cross that and can get into the brain and cause inflammation in the brain. But you can also have inflammation in the gut. And because most of your calming and happy neurotransmitters like serotonin are made Mm -hmm. in the gut, if you have an imbalanced uh, microbiome or gut issues, that's going to severely affect your ability to make serotonin and these calm, happy neurotransmitters. You just blew my mind with all of this information. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's I'm wild. like, oh my God. Like, 
I'm like thinking of all these situations and things. So this takes me to stress. Mm -hmm. So say you're not experiencing anxiety. Maybe someone has like a high level of stress, high demands at work, home, you know, this crazy land that we're living in right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Can that stress, the levels of cortisol in your body cause damage to your guts as well? Yes. Good question. And yes, a hundred percent because, um, and so many of us don't really, because, because our collective stress level is so high, many of us don't even acknowledge it. Even my clients, when they come in, I'm like, what's your level of stress? And they're like, Oh, maybe a four or five. And then we really dig into it and they've got a lot of stress. It's just, they've become so used to it that mm-hmm. they don't even register anymore. But here's the thing, your body is, you know, it's still stressed to your body. And we go by what is called like the stress bucket method. So you've got like, it's kind of like uh, the straw on the camel's back. So you've got just enough room and you add all these stressors up and then you can really like, just with the smallest thing, get, you know, overflow on your stress bucket and not be able to, to handle these demands that are placed on you anymore. So when we talk about stress, we're really talking about in the body, we're talking about stress hormones. And that is, like you said, cortisol and Mm -hmm. the the stress hormone cascade that happens as, um, as you are stressed. And also stress can be, you know, not just um, mental stress, but physical stress, like inflammation is a stressor to the body. So that goes in your inflammation bucket. And if you're, you know, constantly having all these, these demands in in life that you're trying to meet and in this go, go, go world, um, that puts a significant strain on your gut. Um, stress can sterilize your microbiome, which we know is, is, um, terrible for anxiety because as you have a microbiome imbalance that can directly lead to, um, to anxiety. Um, it also drills holes in your gut lining and that leads to leaky gut, which leads to all sorts of more, again, inflammation and is connected to autoimmune issues. Um, so there's, there's so many ways that gut, the, the stress impacts the gut, but those are the two biggest ones right there. And again, because of the, if your stress is uh, mental stress, again, that vagus nerve highway, you're going to have a direct connection between what's happening in your brain and your thoughts and in your gut. And it also shuts down your digestive digestive system and your immune system. So, I mean, that's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of things right there that are just being shut down just because of stress, whether it's mental stress or physical stress as well. And, and both too. And, and I think we're seeing a lot of those demands come together right now because mm-hmm. everything is so exacerbated um, mm-hmm. on such a grander scale. So in regards to stress and anxiety and our guts and our brains, a question that I get a lot from my community is, is why when I'm stressed, do I put on all this weight? Why do I, why do I eat everything in, in that's in my way? I'm like ravenous. Or on the other hand, me, when I get stressed or I'm anxious, like minimal eating, Mm -hmm. like not that I'm not trying to, I'm just not hungry, loss of appetite, Um, and I know it's because of, you know, that's cortisol that's racing through my fight or flight is on and I am just not really present very much. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm being honest. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, exactly. That's, that's the side effect of that, you know, being sympathetic dominant and that fight or flight fight, flight, or freeze response. Um, so this is a great question and it's, it's really interesting because, you know, it, it comes down to really two things coping mechanisms and hormones. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so first of all, for coping mechanisms, like a lot of this is learned behavior and we all have coping mechanisms for, you know, especially, I mean, I'll just tell you a little bit. I've dealt with a lot of anxiety in my past and that's part of why I'm so fascinated with anxiety and do the work that I do now, because I have a very personal relationship with anxiety. We have a history Mm -hmm. together. Um, so this was definitely part of my, you know, we all learn coping mechanisms to handle anxiety, And that was definitely part of mine. Women are a lot more likely than men to turn to eating food as a coping mechanism for anxiety. Men are more likely to turn to alcohol and smoking. Mm -hmm. So that, that learned coping mechanism to turn to food is one thing, but then we also have biochemical things going on. So oftentimes if you have low GABA, which is a calming neurotransmitter that your brain and your gut make, if you have low GABA, you're more likely to turn to stress eating. So if that's playing a factor here, if if that neurotransmitter status is thrown off, you're more likely to turn to stress eating. Also, stress is shown to increase ghrelin. Ghrelin is a hunger hormone in the body. So it naturally increases your desire to eat more food. And, And this is also because of high cortisol. So I'll explain really quickly, like this hormone cascade of what happens when you have a stressful thought or mm-hmm. you are in an actual stress, stress stressful situation. So your body first releases, uh, your ad- adrenals release, um, adrenaline and, and norepinephrine from the adrenals. And this happens instantaneously. And this puts you right in that fight or flight mode. This shuts down digestion. It shuts down everything else. Like you get brain fog. You can't, you definitely do not want to eat when you have adrenaline running through your system. And then it Mm -hmm. also releases cortisol, but this takes longer. This is more of a matter of minutes to to get into your bloodstream and then also lasts a lot longer. So when you're in that adrenaline state, that immediate stressor, that's shutting down digestion. So you're, you don't eat at that point. Then when this becomes chronic or long-term and you have that high cortisol, that can actually, again, lead to that increase in ghrelin, the hunger hormone, and Mm -hmm. just have you more likely to want to eat food. And then I'm sure we've all heard that, you know, having a lot of cortisol and having a lot of stress actually makes your body store more food as fat, especially in your belly region. So it's going to make you gain weight. It's going to make you eat more food and going to make you gain weight, which is terrible. But the other side of the coin for people like you, for instance, that you, you know, you get stressed and you can't eat. Part of that Mm -hmm. is adrenaline, adrenaline. If you're constantly getting triggered, that adrenaline is constantly getting triggered. And then also a lot of times what happens is that trained response. So instead of turning towards food as the coping mechanism, oftentimes there's a preoccupation, mental preoccupation with stress so much that you are unable to turn, unable to hear your hunger cues. So again, that's like, you know, if you're in the adrenaline phase, you're not going to want to eat. And then if you get into the cortisol phase, you're more likely to want to turn to food unless you've developed a coping mechanism that is usually about control when you're unable, when you don't eat, because that's the one thing that you can control. So again, there's like that, the coping mechanism and hormones that play a role here. Oh, wow. All right. I totally see my experience now. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what could we share with our listeners? Like if listening to this information on you, like, where do you start? Like, what is something that you could start to connect the dots with and associating with, oh man, I've got anxiety. I've got a lot of stress. And I do notice that I have have a lot of gut issues. Like, what could I do about it? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. I think there's so many places to start and that's why I think just, you know, having 
Um, kind of like you were talking about your, your worksheet with your crisis kit, mm -hmm. having a menu of options and, and experimenting with them because everyone's going to be different. Um, but just knowing what some options are and then trying different things because there's many paths up to up the mountain. Um, but I would say that, you know, be, starting on mindset or starting on the biochemical level are two really great places to start. So on the biochemical level, and I'm talking about like the body, like reducing the, um, the anxiety triggers in the body. Mm -hmm. Um, my top places to start with this, if, if you haven't already is to stop intermittent fasting. Um, cause I know this is very common for women, especially high achieving type a go getter women. Um, you know, and, and that's often correlated with anxiety. So intermittent fasting can really trigger anxiety for people that are susceptible to this. And also if they have blood sugar issues. Um, so I, yeah, <laughs> I eat five times a day now. No wonder I feel better. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Okay, go on. <laughs> yeah, that's a big, that's a huge uh, under underlooked factor here is blood sugar imbalance. Mm -hmm. Just eating to balance your blood sugar and just eating every three to four hours that stabilizes your blood sugar that will stabilize your hormones. Because if you are not eating and you don't have a super balanced hormone system and you're trying to do intermittent fasting, what happens is your adrenals release cortisol to come in and raise your blood, your blood, your blood sugar. So you're on this like blood sugar roller coaster throughout the day and you've got your stress hormones involved. This also leads to adrenal fatigue or HPA access dysfunction down the road. So the number one thing you can do is eat every three to four hours. Um, just in general, I think if you're a woman in your menstruating years, this is, would be my top advice, but especially if you have anxiety, um, to stabilize that blood sugar, that's going to make it be a game changer in how you feel energetically. And then also, you know, your, your anxiety. Mm -hmm. And then do you have any supplements that like, for example, when I, cause I have to go to the doctor all the time now to check on my blood levels and blah, blah, blah. But, mm -hmm. you know, living in the Pacific Northwest, Kelly lives here too. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. <laughs> we don't see the sun really. Yeah. So they're like, what about your vitamin D? Like they're checking all these things. And I was really honest with them. And I was like, well, I heard that it helped with the coronavirus. So I've been taking some uh -huh. from Costco for like, eight months now. And so they were like, okay, we're going to check on that next time. But majority of the pe women that live in this area or just in general have low vitamin D. Mm -hmm. So they were like, if it comes back low, we're going to pump you up with it. And that will help you feel a lot better too. Mm -hmm. So th is there other supplements? Like I know that you were talking about um, like if you had low GABA. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I want to say yo GABA GABA. Yo GABA. Yo GABA. <laughs> if you have low GABA, like are those supplements that you can take or is there? Yeah. Like, yeah. Share a little bit about your supplemental journey and what you totally. do. Totally. Yeah. Okay. Well, first maybe I'll talk about the um, nutrient deficiencies because you brought up vitamin D. So I can mm -hmm. tell you the nutrient deficiencies that are linked to anxiety and go into some of my top food recommendations for that. Perfect. And Perfect. I can give you my favorite um, supplemental anxiety supports. Does that sound good? Perfect. That sounds awesome. Cool. So yeah, as far as nutrient deficiencies and anxiety, um, let me even back it up. One of the biggest, biggest deficiencies I see is protein deficiency. And why is that? Because 
protein, when you break it down in your body, it becomes amino acids. And then amino acids are the building blocks for your neurotransmitters like serotonin and mm -hmm. GABA, which play a huge role in anxiety. So you need to be making sure that you have enough protein in your diet, which is one, one big factor actually that I see a lot is not enough protein intake. So that's one of the biggest nutrient deficiencies to, to address. Um, and then, you know, as a side note, making sure you have enough stomach acid to break down that protein effectively, that's where a gut healing protocol come in, should come in. So having enough protein, making sure you can break it down in your body and then having all the cofactors that are needed to help these, the building blocks, um, of amino acids turn into your happy chemicals, happy neurotransmitters. So we're talking about vitamin D, which is really important. Yes magnesium, which so many people are deficient in just because our soil depletion, we just don't have it in our food supply as much as we need. And we need magnesium for literally everything in our bodies. Mm -hmm. This is a super important, um, uh, nutrient to have zinc is really important. Most people are deficient in zinc, B vitamins, selenium and omega threes. So those are some of the big nutrient deficiencies that are connected with anxiety. So making sure we have all of those is super clutch. So my top picks for food that incorporates a lot of these nutrients are basically anything that's a nutrient dense food. So I'm talking about organ meats. That is my number one super. Food. Oh no. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you say Oregon or Oregon, Oregon, like oh, no. beef heart. <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. Keep going. But you don't have to eat it. Although, you know, you, I have seen some really good recipes for it. I get desiccated liver in capsules, so I'm not okay, taking okay. it. So, you know, there's your, there's your, you can, you can actually eat it, but, um, but I just take mine in capsules. So organ meats, super high in B vitamins and choline, zinc, vitamin A. It is seriously a powerhouse food, especially if you have anxiety. I cannot recommend it highly enough. We used to get a lot of organ meats in our diet and we just don't have those anymore. So that's my top all process now. It's all processed and we all eat muscle meat, which is uh, very different in the body than, you know, having that with the collagen, with meat on the bone, and then with organs as well. So that's why I always say if you're eating muscle meat, which should be grass fed and pasture raised, make sure you're getting in your organ meats, whether it's through desiccated capsules, and then also making sure you're getting bone broth because that's got glycine and other amino acids that you're not getting in the, um, the muscle meat itself. So, so organ meats, seafood is another really good one. That's full of uh, B vitamins, B12 mm -hmm. and zinc and omegas, egg yolks, super nutrient dense pumpkin seeds and turmeric. So those are some of my favorite top foods for anxiety, for all the nutrients that you need. Ooh, yes. Yes. So I changed my diet about three months ago, obviously to help control blood sugars mm -hmm. um, and feeling better. So it's uh, eating five times a day and mainly it's all non-processed mm -hmm. vegetables and vegetables and beans and protein, um, mm -hmm. lean protein and um, definitely takes a little bit more time to make, but it's just so much better for my body. Um, and, and getting at that top level to where I can be, um, mm -hmm. you know, there's no reversing my condition that I have now, um, but definitely want to make some changes to not have any complications. 
So, um, and then uh, just working with the team, I say that I have a team now (laughs) of doctors and then really taking time to learn more about things Um, because if I can help somebody else lower their stress or their anxiety or show them to another resource to help them, Mm -hmm. um, that would be great too. Now wrapping up the show, where can we get a hold of you and learn more about you? Yeah. So, um, on Instagram is where I'm most active right now. It's Kelly Kincaid wellness. Um, I also, I've got a lot of new things coming down the pipeline in the next few months that I'm really excited about. So definitely connect with me on Instagram. So you can be the first to hear about all of the exciting things that I'm making for you guys there. I've got lots of resources, um, through there and on my website for, um, free guides, Um, so that's really where I'm most active is on Instagram. I'm always doing stories and posts and really I've got a strong community over there. So that's a great place to connect. Yeah. That's where I'm like, what did she just say? And I'll like, go back (laughs) (laughs) following you. And I'm like, oh my God, that's me. Or, oh, I need to look more into this. I need to invite her on the show. So thank you so much for coming and talking to us about this. This has really overloaded my mind, but in a good way, as you can say, I'm like a junkie for all this stuff. Um, And for really understanding and learning how to take care of ourselves and, Mm -hmm. and in the long term, like how much it, we can, be in control of the information that we're learning and reaching out for resources and how we can make our lives better. That's what's just so amazing about it all. Yes. I love it. And I mean, that's just so powerful because when you have agency over your health, when you are empowered and you learn about your body and you can start to connect the dots between what you're eating or what you're thinking and your physical symptoms and just, you know, your quality of life. Like that's, that's how it should be. Like you are the sovereign over your body. (laughs) And I think that's where like holistic health really comes in. It's just teaching you to, you know, learn more about your body instead of giving your power away to different doctors or different authorities, like tuning into your inner authority, your inner guide. Right. Right. It's, it's just, it's awesome. I wish I would have learned this stuff 20 years ago. Dang it. Me too. (laughs) I'm like, damn it. So if you're younger than 42, you're on a good, you're on a good path friends. So thank you so much, Kelly. And we will talk to you soon. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. Okay. Bye. Bye.